Hello and welcome to the Four Comic Junkies Podcast. When the comics aren't enough and you need a little extra fix. I'm your host, JJ Hodges. This podcast is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Check out batmanonfilm.com for all the coolest podcasts this side of Burnside? Huh. Or the Narrows. I don't know. Either way. Uh, folks, we got a great show for you here today. Um, Zaki Hassan returns to the show in... Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't mean to do this necessarily, but he, he seems to always come, come on for these milestone movie moments. Um, and today, uh, we're continuing the, uh, the Road to the Batman uh, with Zaki and I talking about Batman and Robin. Just the coolest dang movie you've ever seen get it cool <laughs> uh seriously though um it's always a great time getting together with zacky and talking talking movies talking life talking batman really i mean it's batman it's fun how are you not having fun talking about batman it's possible um so i hope you dig the episode uh it, it was going to be another commentary track with uh the, uh, the Batman Forever group from from uh, a couple years ago, but uh, unfortunately schedules just didn't align, and I owe them uh, I owe them a commentary track uh, where we'll drink and have all sorts of fun watching some sort of crazy movie. Um, if you're looking for me, you can find me Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for Comic Junkies. You can also find me, um, or you can email me, I should say, for Comic Junkies at gmail um, this podcast, uh, if you're listening to it on Apple, please, uh, write a review, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your friends that I have friends. And despite what my father says, I do have them. I did not pay Zachy $83 to be on this podcast. I mean, I didn't pay him any money. Anyway, let's get right into it. Shall we? Batman and Robin. All right, let's just get this one over with uh we're talking batman and robin uh i brought along my good friend zaki Hassan to uh i seem to always be reaching out to you when it's a a milestone anniversary for a movie (laughs) so i'm glad that uh you're always uh, you're always on board so uh today we're 25 years of batman and robin which is insane that means I'm 25 years older than when it came out, and I refuse to. I refuse to accept that. <laughs> you know the the funny thing about that is is when when it came out, I you know I was I was just turning 10, and oh goodness, <laughs> but it's I, I think the movie was perfectly targeted at at me where I couldn't yeah. I could enjoy it. It was like the generation before us was watching the 60s show when they were like you know, between the ages of five and 10, and they thought it was amazing. And then, of course, as we get older, we're like, wow, this movie is actually not great at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What was was your first experience with the film? Well, uh, it came out uh, shortly after I graduated high school, so that was my frame of reference. So I was uh, the same age as you when when the 89 movie came out, you know? So that's certainly, I think, what accounts for why I have such a deep well of, of affection for that film mm-hmm. uh and and i've i've been on a whole journey with batman and robin because i definitely remember when it came out being uh the equivalent of these sort of rage monsters we see on twitter these days you know <laughs> i was so pissed off and joel schumacher and warner brothers <clears throat> you know killing the franchise all of that you know yep yep and 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 um, I would say that with the distance of a quarter century, you know, you get to, first of all, you hopefully learn like, you know, there's more important things to be pissed off about. But the other thing you realize, as, especially as it pertains to Batman, is that, you know what, there's, there's room in the pool for all kinds of interpretations of Batman. And this is just as valid as any of them. And the other thing is that had Batman and Robin not killed the franchise, we very likely would not have gotten Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. And what a what a sad uh, state of affairs that would have been. 
you know, and that's totally true. Um, it's and it's like almost unheard of today that if the franchise, you know, it, it's such a weird frame of reference. Like we lived through it, where it's like, yeah, the, the it it this movie like stopped Batman movies for eight years. Mm-hmm. That just yeah, it was unheard of back then. You know, I think. There, there really wasn't that long of a gap between like the Bond movies, I don't think. Maybe like three, four, five years at most. Um, yeah, generally. I mean, the, the longest gap uh, was between uh, uh, License to Kill and Goldeneye, which is six years. Okay, okay. I, I thought it was something like that, yeah. Which, But again, yeah. it's it's like those are... It, that's a whole different beast where they, they were meant to be kind of one and done's every adventure with something else. And, and for the most part, the way I've been saying it throughout these um um these segments i've been doing is that all four of the original batman movies i feel like can exist um on their own you can watch any one of them and follow the story just fine um and even to the dark knight trilogy to an extent uh but yeah for the most part all these movies are kind of one and done adventures the way james bond used to be done yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting because because nowadays we tend to think of the Burton movies as one thing and the Schumacher movies as one thing. But at the time, they were meant to exist as part of the same continuum in much the same way as you referenced with the Bond films, where, you know, they're all loosely connected. They are one and done, but, you know, you have you have M and Q and whoever carry on in, in, in the background. To let you know, oh, this is part of that same thing, and yeah. we sort of got that with with the '80s, '90s Batman with Pat Hingle and Michael Guff, just to let us know, oh no, it's all the same thing, and and that is very, it's very different, right? Because because uh, to your point, you know, there were Bond movies that underperformed, but they would just come back uh, a couple years later and just pick up with the series where they left off, yeah. and I I really feel like Batman is the first time I could think of. Where they just it, 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 it they killed it stone dead and just had to had to shake up the edge sketch and start from zero uh, all over again. Which I, you know now that's just that happens all the time. But that was kind of a new thing back then. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's interesting now where it's I mean, I think what's kind of killed the idea of these four movies being in the same continuity is is michael keaton coming back for the flash you know Mm -hmm. um it's sort of automatically made it so that you'd almost argue that batman forever and batman and robin are somewhere else in the universe earth 95 and 97 or whatever Um, yeah right and uh so i think that that's very very interesting unless they were to like acknowledge it in some way shape or form in the flash i don't know if they will or not don't take my word for it (laughs) i'm just saying yeah um as far as we know michael keaton has had two adventures probably saw more villains who knows and that's neither here nor there um but it wasn't but it wasn't uncommon for these characters to get recast um you know james bond was different every few years and um and batman was different every couple years and and there's all sorts of i don't i don't know the the true story but there's all sorts of rumors with you know val kilmer and joel schumacher that they didn't get along and I've heard stories of Val Kilmer being just a total diva (laughs) Um, and to the point where it's just laughable. So potentially that's why he didn't come back. Another rumor I heard was because he was making the saint that he couldn't fit in his schedule. Um, It's suffice it to say, no matter what, I think it, it would have been jarring to see Val Kilmer in that film. You know, do you do, do you know what I mean? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because because at the time it was more jarring seeing Clooney there, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Because because we just had, you know, like we were switching Batman's up every uh, <laughs> every couple of years, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, now it's it's funny how the mind sort of adapts, and you say, oh well, this is the George Clooney one, and it's just we sort of imprint on that. Uh, I wonder if it would have been a different movie. You know, I think Schumacher, yeah, to, to, to what you're saying, I, I think Kilmer not coming back was a combination of all of those things. I mean, he was under contract. Uh, so, you know, he had to break that contract. And I think Schumacher was more than happy to see him go. So it was sort of like, oh, you don't want to come back? Oh, okay, fine. You know, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, was, it was something that, that, and Schumacher, by all accounts, had an absolutely lovely time working with George Clooney. But, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it would have been 
a better movie. I don't I don't know. You know, I, I actually I'm one of the people who says uh, Clooney's not that bad. He's certainly not the worst thing about that movie. No, I, I actually totally agree with that. I think uh, you know, it's, it's sort of like Ben Affleck and Daredevil, like people gave him shit when he was cast as Batman. And I was like, you know, and, and same with and, and then again, same with Robert Pattinson. Right. Um, yeah. People just they have such short memories. They'll point to the thing they didn't like and say, well, that's reason enough for me not to like. And the joke not to like them as Batman were the joke I made. My friend and I were, I think, the only two people in the world when James Spader was cast as Ultron, we, we both said, so uh, Robert Cali of California is going to be Ultron. That's an interesting <laughs> choice. And uh, <laughs> ended up being great. Um, you know, say what you will about that movie. I personally love Age of Ultron. Um, yeah, I agree with you. It, it, it's, so it's, it was strange to me that it got so much hate. Well, it's not strange. What doesn't get hate these days? You know, yeah. um, I'm pretty sure you sneezed the, the other day and people were, uh, questioning your journalistic integrity. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, all, all the all the live long day that happens. Yeah, I think Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron is a great example where my sense, anyway, is that it has come in for sort of a reexamination uh, in light of you know now that the Infinity Saga is over, mm-hmm. you're able to view Age of Ultron much in in light of everything that came after it, and you say, oh, look at all the things that it really was setting up. Yeah. And and so it it's it's taken you know uh, it's it's looked on less uh, badly to whatever extent I remember at the time again yeah same as you like I, I always liked it I never had a problem with it but I remember distinctly being like oh this is the most disappointing movie of the year for me and I, I found that very odd. Um, it, it to to that point just to stay on that tangent for another second here is um, I think my it, I didn't I wasn't disappointed with it but. What I thought and what I still think is that the problem with that movie is that the first Avengers film was an event like that. Nothing like that had ever happened with all the heroes coming together. The problem is that the second one was just a movie. You know what I mean? So like the then the next two Avengers movies got to be events again. But now it's the Guardians and Doctor Strange and Black Panther and and now they're all dead. Mm -hmm. And what's going to happen in part four? So it's, you know, when you skip out that event side of it, it it it. I think that soured people just a little bit, which is fair. No, I, 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 I will totally give them that. I, I think you're right. You know, what's funny is what I say about Age of Ultron is uh, to your point about uh, the other movies feeling more like events. I'm like, Age of Ultron is like an issue of the Avengers. Come. Like, it's like, this yeah. is your random issue, September 1984 issue, you know? Yep, what, yep. And and that's what it feels like to me. It's they're a team already. They're hanging out. They're doing this thing. They're going on an adventure, and then we set up for for the next um, for the next adventure. You know. Yeah. No, totally. Uh, and, and I think that's a really good way to put it too. Um, but um, but anyway, back to back to Batman. Uh, <laughs> this uh, <laughs> I I you know like you said before, I I think George Clooney did a good job. It's it's funny, you know, we, the people had that saying like we we were like oh you know, they understood the assignment, so to speak. If I'm being (laughs) perfectly candid and fair here, I genuinely think the only actor in the movie that understood the assignment was uh, Uma Thurman and possibly John Glover. You know, they they were the only ones going, okay, I get what this is supposed to be. Everybody else was either trying to take it seriously in some scenes or not taking it seriously enough and which is a shame because, you know, even Arnold Schwarzenegger, who I do say is a good actor, they, they're trying, they're good actors, but some of them are just miscast. Like, um, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> is miscast. Yeah. That was not the role for him. Um, right. And I don't know. And I just laugh thinking Warner Brothers is so fucking strange to me because they will sign off on the strangest things, you know, like it, it, it took them 15 some years or more to make a flash movie, but they greenlit a Joker movie in like a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just sitting here going, what is the logic with their thinking? Like, like, Hey, the last Batman movie was great. It's like, all right, we're going to go more nipples. Mr. Freeze's costume is, his chest is going to be exposed for some reason. His face is even yeah. exposed. You know, uh, right. That might have been more of a now that I think about it, more of a logistical thing 
with the camera and everything. Um, but uh, but I don't know. I mean, but, you 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 have to imagine that that part of the calculus, insofar as what was allowed to happen in Batman and Robin, is that Schumacher was brought on to write the ship, so to speak. Right? I mean, Batman for, Batman uh, Returns, excuse me, was perceived both in the studio and in the general public as a disappointment. Mm-hmm. And and when Schumacher came on. I mean, he, he, he fixed it, so to speak. And, you know, retrospectively, people view things very differently. But I mean, at the time, Batman Forever was, it was the biggest opening weekend of all time. It was a massive hit. Yeah. And so, so at that point, you have to imagine that the Warner Brothers people are like, all right, hey, more of that. Yeah. You know? Give us more, more nipples, more everything, you know, <laughs> and more importantly, most importantly, more toys, right? Yes. Because that the, the whole movie is just a, it's like it's like the Batman Isle at Toys R Us that that movie, you know? Yeah, uh, it, it definitely is, um, and it, it just and it's funny because like you know when I was a little kid watching it, I remember thinking that I didn't like it as much as the Michael Keaton one, like the first Michael mm-hmm. Keaton one. That was still remains my favorite Batman movie. But yeah. there was some, but it was just, it was just a different flavor, and I appreciated that. And I always think about Kevin Smith, and I've said this on the show before. You know, he he cracks me up where like he when he was uh, st- not starting to work at DC Comics, he was doing something. I think he was writing Green Arrow DC Comics. Uh, so okay. this is like back in like 2000, 2001 ish, um, which is a great run, by the way. Um, oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we covered it on the show. Look in the backlogs. Anyway, um, he uh, he was he said how like his his friends and him would always diss the 60s show like when as they got older. And he was like, it's like denying Christ. You know, we'd be like, no, no, I never liked it. I never liked it. You know, and then, you know, and then and then one of the editors at D.C. pulled him aside and was like, you should really not do that anymore. Like it's that was your Batman. That was your exposure to Batman. So treat it with some respect. And, yeah. and he finally like got over all that and was like, well, that's true, isn't it? And I think in a weird way, Batman and Robin is a little bit like that, that it, mm. it, it's an updated version of it uh, in a weird way. But it, it's just, the funny thing to me is when I rewatch the movie, I'm like, here's, here's my thought. Like, you know, give me almost anything Batman and I'll swallow it up. But or gobble it up, whatever. And that all of that sounds weird. <laughs> <Right now. laughs> I have people listening going, geez, that guy's a freak. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I, I watch it, I'm like, here's my thing: is that objectively, this is a bad movie. It just yeah, the story doesn't make any sense. The villains have conflicting <laughs> like goals, really. <laughs> so it's strange right. that they team up, it doesn't make any damn sense. And a lot of the acting, again, is just not very good. And you have Alicia yeah. Silverstone, who's like super hot off, off of Clueless, which is a great movie. Um, and she's just kind of phoning it in. Um, yeah. George Clooney, not you know doing okay, but it's like, man, if he was just given a better script, he would have been one of the greats, you know? Yeah, yeah. And Chris O'Donnell given basically the same thing to do again. Like, all right, just be angry at Bruce the whole movie. That's your that's your that's your character trait. <laughs> you know, we'll just carry that over from part from you know Batman Forever to now. And it's it's a shame because they they were hitting some of the right notes. Like they had the Mr. Freeze story from the animated series. Like that's cool. Right. And Schwarzenegger does that stuff well. It's just the problem is, is that he'll go from pining for his wife that he's afraid to lose to making ice puns. And right. it's just such a jarring thing that I'm just sitting there going, man, was like nobody paying attention to this? Like they were just like, you know, like, sure, you're going to sell some toys, but your movie's got to be good too. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think it gets to uh, Joel Schumacher's approach to the material, which, I mean, you know, he said it, he said it on set, come on, everybody, you know, more, we're, this is a comic book, you know, and that was, in other words, make it, make it broader, make it campier. And, and what strikes me about that sentiment is 
of all the characters to say that about to to say that about Batman seems especially odd because there was there is such a spectrum of Batman content even back then, right? I mean, by mm-hmm. then the Dark Knight Returns and the Killing Joke and um, uh, you know uh, the various arcs and Legends of Dark Knight, etc. I mean, you had a, yeah. a very long list of stories that were as far as possible from that movie tonally. So Joel Schumacher sort of brushing aside uh, an entire uh, uh, you know library of content and say, oh no, it's just a comic book like that to me. And and by all accounts, he was a lovely person. So mm-hmm. I don't mean this to be you know denigrating the man, but I think fundamentally it was a mismatch. And I and that's doubly odd because because Joel Schumacher showed uh, a grasp of being able to tell really compelling, dark, stylish stories. I mean, you know, the Lost Boys, I have to imagine the Lost Boys and, and you know, Flatliners and stuff, that's what got him the Batman job. Yeah. So it's weird that the Batman films bear no resemblance to anything else in his catalog. It's, it's strange because, you know, he, he talks about that in the behind the scenes stuff, how like he loved Batman year one. And that mm-hmm. was, if he had his pick, that's what he wanted to do. But it's like, if you're coming in for movie three, nobody wants the origin in movie three, which I think mm-hmm. he's, he's right about. Um, but at the same time, he's like, let's just make it flashy and exciting, like a comic book. And it's like, okay, but like, that's not, that's not all the comic books, you know, there's some like that. And right. being in that continuation of, mostly serious Batman movies. Batman Forever is actually pretty, you know, because there's all these calls for, you know, the release the Schumacher cut. I'm sure you've seen those. Um, and, and and I kind of agree with that. I would like to see the director's cut. I've been pulling for that for years, but um, the same. So it's like he knows that this is a dark, tortured character. So then at this time, he's just like, yeah, but we're going to forget all that. And it's just going to be fun. Um, right. And it's like, you know, I was just talking to my friend Ryan about uh, Lego Batman movie, which will be a later episode. But, um, you know, we we were like, this is the way to do like a fun, exciting, you know, kind of goofy Batman. But it doesn't shy away from there is kind of a dark tragedy to the character. Um, right. So to ignore that altogether, it just, you know, even Adam West would once in every at least two episodes i think he mentions the fact that his parents were murdered mm-hmm. so it's 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 in there you know even with that show <laughs> yeah yeah it's you know i i think uh, what schumacher said at the time uh during either during production or leading up to release you know uh you know bruce lane is is 35 or whatever he is you know he needs to put the the trauma of his parents death behind him because you know how many thirty-five-year-olds are still like, you know, uh, grieving their dead parents? Or I'm I'm paraphrasing, and I'm probably doing it badly. But you know that was his whole approach. Like, okay, okay, let's move on. Let's move past the angst. And you know, I I think fundamentally, I'm kind of like, you know, maybe. But but to me, that angst is so baked into the character that you know that it it just it it comes with it comes with the suit. You know what I mean? It comes with the cowl. Uh, and so and and clearly uh the response to the film i think bears out that even audiences are like well kind of need a little bit of angst yeah (laughs) yeah it it it, you know i think uh you can still go to therapy and still deal with the death of your parents i mean that's not something that really goes away um but i think it was just such a strange approach and what makes me laugh even more than that it's like I always, when like Titans came out and Akiva Goldsman, who wrote the screenplay for Batman and Robin, cr- helped create the Titans show. I'm like, it's almost like he's overcorrecting <laughs> because <laughs> Titans is just so damn dark and, um, and uh, like almost too dark sometimes, where I'm a little bit like, is anyone else uncomfortable that they kept saying the F word? <laughs> F, F Batman, right? Yeah, right at the beginning. Yeah, the episode one. And, and also how bloody it is sometimes. I'm just like, all right, let's tone it down just a little bit. Even Daredevil didn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, but I, I think I think uh, you know to your point, the, the ironic thing is for all of the protestations about you know let's let's not pay so much attention to Bruce's uh, childhood trauma or whatever. Uh, I think, and I've said this consistently, Batman and Robin has probably the best Bruce and Alfred scenes we've ever gotten on in, in, in live action. You know, the, the depth and um, warmth of their relationship and, and the, the, the love that shines through, even though this is not a Bruce Wayne we've ever seen with this Alfred before, but um, it all works, you know, when, when, when Alfred is dying and Bruce is like, I love you, old man. And it's, I think it's beautiful. It totally works. No, I, um, I, I 100% agree. They are surprisingly very deep. And it's also uh, a callback to Superman, to the original Superman. He says, yeah. he literally says, everything I've done, everything I'm capable of doing, and I can't save you. Mm. Um, you know, the difference being that Clark doesn't say that to his father as when he died, uh, but Bruce gets to. And, um, and I think it's, uh, it, you know, and that's that part of, what, I'm sorry? No, go ahead. Oh, I was like that. That part of the story is really interesting and really tragic, and um, and I like. And there's a really good scene too, where uh, you know, after they do that ridiculous motorcycle chase uh, or <laughs> race, whatever, it's a little bit of both. Doesn't matter either way. It's ridiculous. Um, when Dick and Barbara get back to the mansion, she says, "You know, Alfred's sick," and then Bruce is just kind of in the shadows as he does. And says, no, he's not sick. He's dying. Hmm. And and he just says to Dick, he's like, he's trying to hide it, but I can tell. And it's such a... And just that little exchange between the two of them is really great. Um, yeah. And it's like, okay, so you don't... And, and, there, and there's that angst you were talking about, right? It's like, okay, so even if he's, quote unquote, over his parents, here's his surrogate father who's dying right in front of him. Um, yeah. So there's still some angst to be played with, but... Instead, it's, you know, let's tap our feet together and, you know, ice skates pop out, I guess, is more interesting. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's really, the, the, to me, that's the problem. And that's, that's why, for me, Batman and Robin, it's, it's not a movie, you know, I, I revisit very often. And mm -hmm. if anything, when I watch, I, I watch certain scenes, you know, I, um, all the Bruce and Alfred. So, you know, when, when Alfred is like... Um, the reason you you know you, you've created this family is to make up for the loss that you felt or whatever it was I, it's a great thing and then yeah and then um uh, near the end of the film you know when um when bruce is talking to dick and he's like uh, you you know i'm asking you friend partner brother will you trust me right yeah. I, I love that you know i'm just a, a fan of batman and robin as a concept not necessarily the film but like seeing <laughs> them together as a team you know i've said it before you know in batman forever when batman and robin and they shake hands you know we're a, a, a partner i love that i still love that it. It, it makes me happy because i just love seeing them as a team together and so the fact that really in in the modern era these two movies are all we've gotten of the batman and robin team yeah. Uh, I mean, and that's kind of sad, isn't it? Like, don't we, shouldn't we get that again? You know, I, I think about that a lot because uh, I think it was pre-Justice League time. And again, Warner Brothers is notorious for this stuff. They will announce movies that they're thinking about making and have hired a writer and that's it. They are the worst at that. And it drives me nuts. <laughs> um, whereas like when Marvel, when they say, oh, we're making a Black Panther movie, Two years later, we get a Black Panther movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, uh, right. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's apples and oranges. But still, um, you know, they they Chris McKay is attached to a Nightwing movie, and I was like, Oh, that's right. I heard about that. Yeah. I I I was like, That's so great. He was the director of the Lego Batman movie. I was like, This is going to be great. We're going to get Nightwing, and I'm sure that Ben Affleck will cameo in some way, shape, or form in it, because um, this was before all the drama really, really bubbled to the surface. Um, but yeah, I was just, I was like, that's exciting. And then there was like no news about it. And then it just sort of quietly like went away <laughs> uh, <Yep. laughs> as many other projects, you know, like David Goyer almost did a, he almost did a flash movie. He almost did a great arrow movie. Like he's, you know, his resume is, uh, 
like luckily his name is attached to three of the best batman movies ever made uh <laughs> so how much can you really complain but I, I supermax right wasn't that was the green arrow thing that he was gonna do right? yeah yeah um because it was like green, green arrow was gonna be framed for a crime go to the prison try to clear his name and right. yeah and i don't think i i i think he had just written a script i don't even think there was any casting um but that was right. i want to say t- 2007 2008 like when the dark knight hit it was like here we go like we're gonna start green lighting all these movies and then they just didn't <laughs> nothing <laughs> i think that was around the same time joss whedon was trying to do wonder woman um which i've seen you know we, we dodged a bullet there yeah i've seen excerpts of the script and i'm like that would not have been good um he, he was gonna do batgirl too remember that i do remember that i i was actually just yeah. thinking about that um and i'm excited i can't remember their names the directors now but i love Le- leslie grace i think uh, she's gonna be fantastic in the role um yeah and and you know and that's you know let's let's uh, speaking of Batgirl let's let's go ahead and get into this character that they it, it, I don't under I kind of don't understand why they changed her for the movie other than to give Alfred some sort of familial bond because that's sort of what the movie's all about isn't it is that the the family you make versus the family you're born with or yada yada. Uh, I mean, sort of. It doesn't. It doesn't do that theme well, but that's sort of what's in the movie. Yeah. Um, and I just think you know, having her be Barbara Wilson versus Barbara Gordon, just it doesn't really do the movie any favors. Like she could have been Barbara Gordon. Well, I I think the problem is that they made all of the films made uh, Jim Gordon such a non-character. You know, mm. uh, Pat, Pat Hingle shows up for a minute or two, looks befuddled. And then gets out of the way, you know. Unfortunately, he had the most to do in in the first one, and then it was a steady downward spiral. I mean, he's he's the, his Gordon in, in the fourth one is is basically useless, right? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> right, which which is like when 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 you contrast that with with obviously what Gary Oldman did in the in the Dark Knight films, but even like J.K. Simmons in like two scenes. Injustice League. You're like, God, this is such a great character. What are you guys doing? You know, right? Um, I think we take for granted how important Jim Gordon is to the to the mythos. But but mm-hmm. I think that was just as much the the issue is like you need to have sort of pave the road by having Gordon be essential in the mix. And by virtue of not having done that, Alfred was like the the you know path of least resistance. But of course, her being his niece. <laughs> makes very little sense considering the the vast age difference between them you know yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> it it's uh, and i think uh if i remember correctly the picture of his uh sister is gloria stewart from uh titanic fame <laughs> um, is that right i wow. i i believe so uh y'all can fact check me if you want but from what i recall i'm pretty sure that was a picture of her uh from her like you know 50s 40s days modeling same same year as titanic yeah yeah um oh my god i gotta send you that meme i I saw one that was like two two movies that came out that were about how like ice can topple the world or something like that it was batman and robin and and titanic oh that's (laughs) Um, funny but uh but yeah you know it's uh so yeah yeah i mean that's that's a good point to say that you know well, it, we can't figure out a way to, we'd have to make Gordon a more prominent character, which I think probably they were all thinking, what's the point? Useless character, mm-hmm. which shows a lack of understanding of the comic book lore anyway. Um, yeah. So let's make him Alfred's niece or make her Alfred's niece. And and it's just, uh, and it's actually kind of sad that, you know, Alicia Silverstone, I guess, was like kind of bullied on set by some of the, some of the crew because like she has some weight issues. And, um, but you know, I mean, and it, people people online were terrible. To, I mean, the the commentary. I mean, I remember when the internet in its very nascent form, people just being really shitty to her mm-hmm. uh, about her. And and I can only imagine how at that stage of the internet, you know, how how she would perceive that. I, I can't, you know, it's it's awful. It really is. It's it's also a stigma for female actors in general um get you know it's like you reach a certain age and you 
are kind of cut off from the industry or you, you know, way too much or too little and you can be cut off. It's, it's a stigma that's kind of gone away, but not, not enough, you know, uh, which is really, really troubling. And it's the reason that like, you know, me too exists, you know? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and it, it's a whole, it's, it's, it's just a damn shame really. Um, when some of these women were probably called, you know, we know for sure we're called difficult to work with just because they were saying stuff like, I don't want to take my top off in this scene. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. Or I know I don't want to have sex with you, Mr. Weinstein, you know? So, right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and, you know, and Lisa Silverstone's side of it is that, you know, it, it I don't want to say she peaked too early with clueless. Cause I don't think that's the case. I just think that she, you know, going into Batman and Robin, it's like, she gets to, she could have had an even bigger break to her career because unfortunately it didn't hurt George Clooney. He got more famous after it, you know, Schwarzenegger and Uma Thurman are still getting roles. Crystal Donald was doing okay. Eventually found NCIS LA, which he's been doing for the past, I think 24 years (laughs) since since Batman and Robin ended. Um, I mean, I don't know for sure. I've seen a few episodes of that. Um, (laughs) But uh, is that the right? NCIS, right? Okay. NCIS uh, LA. That's LA, right. okay. For a second, I thought I said CSI. And I was like, well, they're all kind of the same, but... <laughs> they're, they're all letters in sequence, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, think, I, I think they're all real things, too. <laughs> but the TV yeah. shows make them seem much more interesting than they actually are. Probably are, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's so it's sad that, you know, she was bullied and picked on when it's like, she's just trying to do a job and and maybe at some point she realized this is kind of a shitty job and but you know it's like this could have been a springboard for like a batgirl movie or a batgirl you know i mean well there wasn't hbo max at the time but like something more with that character but everybody just you know poo-pooed that which is unfortunate because i think again at least a silverstone given the right material given better material really could have nailed it yeah, it's hard to say. You know, I I think had Batman and Robin been better received, they would have done a sequel. You know, a couple of years later, and I would have I have to imagine that a Nightwing movie would have been in the conversation or a Batgirl movie. You know, it's yeah. it's amazing how everything just came to a screeching halt. Yeah. Um. By by virtue of that movie underperforming. Um, I, I'm sure you have you ever read the there was a script online that was like Dark Knight, like capital K. Uh, that was, yes. yeah. Have, have you read that? Um, so the, 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 there was, uh, there was, a, um, there were a couple different versions of what would have come after. One was Batman Triumphant, I think it was called. Yep, I remember that. Um, and that was with Scarecrow mm-hmm. and I, I believe Harley Quinn, who was not, was I think Joker's daughter. In, yeah. in in that version That's um right. so the, the batman it, it was dar it was like dar night basically right it's like one word yeah yeah the, the the k and that was like a kind of meant to be like a reboot i think right i i think so but i think but yeah because like batgirl's not in it she's not even mentioned mm-hmm. uh and it was going to be scarecrow and man bat and it was going to be a little bit slightly dark knight returns ish dark knight rises ish where Bruce hasn't been Batman for a while and like, but, and he and Robin are on the outs, uh, but then they have to like team up again to fight these, these two guys. And mm-hmm. what, what I heard about it, what it read about it sounded pretty good actually. Um, but, you know, like I said, Warner brothers is really weird with what they choose to go with. I guess just the most passionate one in the room, like Todd Phillips with Joker yeah. must've must just been the most passionate one in the room. <laughs> Um, well, well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because because when you think about it, like eight years between Batman and Robin and Batman Begins, like that is a long time and it's not a long time. You know, it, it feels like both like yeah. in in at the time it felt like a long time. But when you look back on it, well, it wasn't that big of a gap. And I definitely you know, I, the, the Aronofsky, Darren Aronofsky had his version mm-hmm. in the mix. Um, Boaz Yakin was going to do. Um, batman beyond like there were all those you know and it's it's funny how whatever nolan pitched them was what convinced them to pull the trigger 
And yet you can just as easily imagine either of these other versions having gotten made and who knows what, um, what would have happened in the aftermath of that. It's, it's very interesting because I think if like, you know, Darren Aronfrosky's movie, I'm saying his name totally wrong. Um, you know, it, it was like a complete departure, you know, yeah. it was, it was like an Elseworlds type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, it, but like Batman Beyond was just going to be like a straight up adaptation of the TV series um, with, with uh, I think Paul Dini was even writing the script actually. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think there were a couple other ideas floating around. They did the same thing with Superman, except Superman's period was way longer uh, between, you know, uh, Superman four and Superman returns. Um, and it's just so interesting that it, like Nolan came in and, he either he had the right buzzwords or something that like got in their ear and was like, okay, this is the way to do it. Um, but you know, and I've said this in other shows, it's like Nolan, it's like he he knows how to talk to the studio though, where he can talk to them and say, I can sell you all these lunch boxes and posters and toys, but I gotta be able to tell this movie, tell this story in this way. Right. And it's and I think just with Joel Schumacher, they were just like they were only thinking about the marketing of it. They, they weren't really worried about the story or anything. And it clearly shows watching the movie, you know, and, and like I said, it, I, I enjoy the movie. I, I rewatch it at least once a year, you know, I, I have fun watching it. Mm. Um, so I'm not knocking it all. There's childhood memories attached to it. Same with like power Rangers is sometimes it's just fluff, you know, sometimes yeah. that's all you need. Um, the problem is, is that the movie just, Le- just legitimately isn't very good and i argue that with you know 89 as well like 89 is my favorite batman movie but there's no real plot there <laughs> there's no <laughs> there's no character arcs you know um yeah but you know at least with this one kind of has some character arcs they're just kind of contrived and not not done very well you know like right. Mr. Freeze just happens to have the cure like on his person <laughs> at the end <laughs> right. of the movie. Um, you know, and and I and I always joke about this. My favorite aspect of the movie is that it's it's always 11 minutes to unfreeze something, but it's only 11 minutes when somebody says it's 11 minutes. You know, <laughs> like those people in the party, the gala that Poison Ivy showed up at, uh, have been frozen for a while. And then Batman says, you have 11 minutes to thaw these people. It's like, no, but don't you have 11 minutes from when they were frozen, which was probably 30 minutes ago. <laughs> so they're all dead. <laughs> That's hilarious. But it, it's true, though, isn't it? Like, and then like at the end of the movie, he's like, oh, we have until midnight. And I always think like, OK, so it's 1149 right now. Right. <laughs> That's when he started freezing the city. Um, but yeah, it. Um, but some one thing I will say about the movie that I always give credit to is that um, I think that the Ro- I think that the Robin and Batman suits at the beginning are actually surprisingly some of my favorites. I I yeah. kind I kind of like that he doesn't have the yellow oval. It's like a it's like a silver logo. That's right. Um, I think that looks kind of cool actually. Um, it's a different take on on what Batman usually looks like. I I agree. I like and and Clooney looks great. I mean, my gosh. Uh, what a chin that guy has for that suit, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think, I think Clooney and, and Affleck have like the the chin, the bat chin. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the the I I really am not a fan of the 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 silver and black suits at the end, but the mm. uh, the Robin and Batman suits in the first half of the half of the movie. I mean, Robin, they basically just gave him the new Fifty Two Nightwing costume, or rather, new Fifty Two Nightwing. They just gave him the batman and robin costume right <laughs> yeah. um but it looks great you know uh, absolutely like i i've got the i've got the hot toys uh, kilmer um batman and and the o'donnell robin from that movie on pre-order mm-hmm. <laughs> and i'm like if they put out a, a batman and robin you know clooney and o'donnell i'm like i guess i'm gonna get those two then you know <laughs> i i no, i wouldn't blame you at all i i love i love that suit at the end of batman forever i like it way more than the panther suit which i think looks weird um i don't know why but it just looks weird to me um but then the the sonar suit at the end i think looks awesome oh it looks great i agree yeah and and those two suits at the beginning of this movie i you know it's funny you, you mentioned the the new 52 because when the new 52 started 
my sister and I went to New York Comic Con. This is like, you know, October 2011. So it's like a month into it. And uh, and we were talking about, we were in the hotel room talking about the comics and everything. And, oh, I hope we get to meet this guy and get this thing signed and everything, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, you know, I love the new Nightwing costume. I was like, I do too, actually. And she was like, you know what it reminds me of? And I, and I was like, the movie, Batman and Robin. And she was like, no, it, I think of Batman Beyond. I was like, that works too. Like the, the, oh, the, yeah, good call. the yeah. black and red. Yeah. And, uh, you That's know, right. I, I think we were both a little right there. Um, I mean, the new 52, I mean, it's a whole other discussion. Um, <laughs> all the Batman stuff was great. <laughs> we, we can all agree on that. Yeah. Uh, Scott Snyder knocked it out of the park, but, um, but yeah, it, you know, so I, I love those costumes. I don't, you know, I don't, I, I remember never being a big fan of like, the Batmobile, though, just being like, you know, it doesn't make sense that he's driving a convertible, you know? No, yeah. Um, I, that's, I think that's the weakest Batmobile um, from those movies, yeah. Yeah, and, and even when it turns into the anti-freeze Batmobile at the end, like, looks even weirder. Um, like, all three of those vehicles look bizarre <laughs> in that yeah. setting because it doesn't, you know, and I think, again, in talking about the movie being objectively bad is that like watching that opening scene with them fighting in the museum, I'm like, this just looks like a set. It, it like it doesn't feel like a location that was transformed into, you know, or th- that they really put a lot of effort into making it look like, oh no, this is real ice. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. And and maybe that's just hard to do in movies, but I don't know. I watch a lot of Christmas movies, so I don't think so. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think a lot of them film in Los Angeles or at least in Vancouver. Where it's like always cold, but <laughs> um, I could be wrong about that. But um, I, I know I'm not wrong about Vancouver being cold, but uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But yeah, it just, it, you know, it's it just, it's such a shame because even with like Batman Forever, like it, there's just such a, a clear step down. And, may, and I remember thinking like when I was younger, like I think if they had just given it another year, maybe they could have made it better because it was the quickest turnaround time for the Batman movies at the time. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and they spent more money. I mean, it was more expensive than Batman forever, but it doesn't look substantially more expensive. No. Uh, I think to your point, like I, I, I get a greater sense of scale uh, from Batman forever. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that's part of it. And I, yeah, I, I think, I think two years in between these movies, it was too short. I, I, I mean, it's hard to say, you know what I mean? Like, cause, cause uh, we live in an age where these franchises are just cranking stuff out. You know, I mean, we get how many Marvel things in a year, but I think these, those, those Batman movies in particular, they really needed a cool down period in between to, to get people wanting to, to feel, um, you know, that franchise again. And it's certainly, you know, Batman forever came out during in between my, uh, sophomore and junior year and then Batman and Robin came out after I graduated uh, high school and so I re- you know it's like baked into my memory reading comic books and going from all the Batman Forever ads on the back cover to what feels like a few months later all the Batman and Robin ads on the back yeah. cover you know <laughs> it, it didn't feel very long at all no I I remember thinking that too and and being like like oh that's that's quick that this is coming out so so quick because I was always kind of in tune with all that I've always been really good about knowing like movies like schedules and like when a trailer is supposed to come out cuz I mean even back then like you couldn't watch them online um, yeah. but you know I I knew but I was always good about that kind of stuff um and but you know so so I, I it, it's weird because I remember my sister saying that when Disney got uh, uh, bought bought uh, Lucasfilm, she said the same thing. Where she was like, as similar to what you were saying, where she was like, "I I don't like that these Star Wars movies are coming out so quick. Like they yeah. they like Star Wars should be an event. They should really let these marinate for a while and then come back." And and we all know, and and she knows too. She's a very smart person. Like you know, of course, like Disney is just seeing the dollar signs, right? Um, like crank them out, get them out there, and. It's like, well, if they had just taken some more time with the sequels, yeah. they, maybe they would have been better received. And fun fact, they still would have made a billion dollars. Uh, That's right. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Um, I mean, but, it's, you know, it, it's very funny because because uh, 
I, I was talking with my with my co-host Brian uh, about you know the, the latest uh, the latest uh, Bond movie, mm-hmm. and I commented on how between the time No Time to Die came out and Spectre came out, uh, we had we got not just an entire Star Wars trilogy, but Disney's entire Star Wars output between <laughs> between two James Bond movies. <laughs> so That's so three three movies of a trilogy, two spinoff movies. And two seasons of The Mandalorian all happened in between Spectre and No Time to Die. <laughs> <laughs> that, wow, that's a really good way to put it. And I mean, ho- Hollywood time and also Hollywood money is very different from your and my time and money, right? So, right. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I hear weird things like that all the time. Like the first, like the first Batman, the 89 Batman didn't actually make any money. Like for some reason, it didn't turn a profit. Um, I, I don't know the logistics of it. I've just heard that Hollywood uh, accounting. Yes. And it's like, that's it's like, wasn't that like the highest grossing movie of the year or something like that? Like, right. uh, but and beat out, you know, Ghostbusters and Indiana Jones, like two established franchises. Um, yeah. But I mean, who knows? I, I, I don't know all that. I don't, it doesn't really matter. Obviously we still got Batman sequels. Um, Oh, and, and speaking of that real quick uh, with the, uh, the logo for Batman and Robin. I love that. That looks so cool. You know, yeah. like the, the Batman and Robin logo together. I'm just like, man, it sucks that this logo is attached to this terrible movie. <laughs> because it's, <laughs> it's so like if I ever find a T-shirt of it, which I've been looking for, I'm like, I'm going to buy it because I love that. You know, I have one yeah. of the um, uh, the Batman with the question mark, uh, the you know, the Batman Forever one. Uh, not to be confused with the new Batman and Riddler <laughs> thing right. that's coming out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's so interesting looking back on this movie. And and like I said, I, I have a ton of fun watching it. It's, you know, there's a lot of childhood memories in there. Like, And they did sell a lot of toys, I know, because I bought a bunch of them. Uh, you know, my birthday was like uh, two weeks after the movie came out. So <laughs> that was like my... Oh, wow. Yeah, so I remember that was actually a joke I made when... Um, batman v superman came out and i was like hey remember when i was a kid and all the batman movies came out around my birthday so i got batman toys for my birthday but now the new batman <laughs> movie is coming out in march and i have to buy all the toys myself like an idiot uh, <laughs> and even the, it's true of the new one although the new one comes out on my sister's birthday which you know good for her <laughs> i mean it was supposed to come out last uh, june wasn't it yeah it was supposed yeah. to come out last june and then last october but That's then right. they they flipped Dune with Batman because I think they didn't want to put Batman on HBO Max. Um, that's that's right. And but they're putting, but it'll be on HBO Max forty five days after it comes in the movie theater. Right. So, so I'm like, okay, I'm like guess you're gonna make <laughs> all that money back. Uh, but I think Spider Man No Way Home is gonna be on Disney Plus soon ish. I don't know. Uh, not uh, Disney Plus because that's it's a Sony movie. So oh, okay. but it'll right. it'll be on. Uh, vod platforms to rent oh yeah for twenty dollars <laughs> yeah that's right i'm like i'm like i'll just buy it for twenty dollars you know I'll buy right the, <laughs> i'll buy the blu-ray for 25 dollars at best buy um i actually did pre-order it but anyway <laughs> um so let me let me let me get into the uh, questions that i did not prepare you for at all um let so the uh, question i like to ask everybody here is um what is your favorite non-Batman movie starring Batman? Which is a long-winded way of saying what's your favorite George Clooney movie? You know, he he's been in so many great movies. I mean, he's I think he's a legitimately good actor. And he uh at the time he did Batman and Robin, you know, he was still kind of in uh Doug Ross ER mode. So you yeah. see a lot of those, you see a lot of those affectations in his performance. Um, and I think it took out of sight with Steven Soderbergh to really kind of shape him into a new persona but uh, probably like uh, uh, out of sight is definitely up there for me uh i think three kings is is fantastic and and of course oceans 11 i i always go with the first oceans 11 i not a big fan of the other two i never actually saw oceans eight um although i heard mixed things yeah. but um but yeah but oceans 11 is that's one i i love to rewatch. i think he and brad pitt have such a hilarious chemistry in that movie um yeah and and it's a good palate cleanser if you don't like batman and robin but want more george clooney that's you should go to oceans 11 um also that movie uh the peacemaker he did 
Uh, That's right. Yeah, that was pretty good too. Um, uh, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember enjoying it. Uh, but I also, when I was a kid, I was always fascinated by all the Batman actors when they would do movies together. It's part of the reason I watched. <laughs> it's, it's one of the reasons I watched Twins when I was a kid. I was like, oh, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito. It's like it's Mr. Freeze and the Penguin. It's like it's not at all what the movie's about, you idiot. Like, <laughs> but I love stuff like that. Um, but I think it's also, but I think we still do it nowadays. You know, it's it's the reason that we're all like, oh, Robert Pattinson's Batman. You mean the sparkly vampire guy? It's like, all right, you assholes. He's done other shit. So relax. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, but uh, but anyway, uh, the uh, so another uh, another question for you is: Do you have any comic book suggestions for people looking for stuff to read after watching Batman and Robin? Yeah, so uh, I took this to mean like good Batman and Robin stories. And uh, the, the ones that come to mind, I have two that come to mind. One is uh, Legends of the Dark Knight number 100. And this is a story uh, by Dennis O'Neill. And it's essentially about, uh, you know, the, the, the first meeting between um, Bruce Lane and, and Dick Grayson and the beginning of the Batman and Robin partnership. And uh, related to that is another story called Batman Chronicles The Gauntlet. And this is by Bruce Canwell and Lee Weeks. And it, this, was a, this was a prestige one shot, but it really feels like a bookend to uh, Legends of the Dark Knight 100. Uh, they're both stories about uh, Batman and Robin at the earliest days of their pairing and how they, how they came to work together. And, you know, even, um, you know, I recently had the entire run of Legends of the Dark Knight uh, custom bound. And even though the gauntlet is not technically a Legends of the Dark Knight story, I feel like it fits so well with the 100 that I put the two of them together because I think they both fit together really fantastically. That's really interesting. I, I'm not familiar with those. So I'll have to dig those up. Um, I'm, you know, I know, I think almost all of Legends of the Dark Knight is on uh, DC Universe. Um, which I is just so. such a, a wonderful app to go to where I like I I was looking for a random Batman story where I was like, wasn't there a Batman story where like some guy didn't have a face and he was going to poison all the milk and I, like type that into Google and it was like shadows of the bat number blah 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 and I was like and I went <laughs> and reread it and I was like I read this since I was a kid this is awesome um, so like fun weird stuff like that um, <laughs> it was like it was such a broad description. The guy didn't have a face, and he's gonna poison the milk. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but, but I remember it specifically because Batman and Robin had to go fight him in the daytime before the milk was delivered. Um, and this is like from the late '90s, I think. So it sounds silly, because like the police were all like, "Oh, Batman doesn't come out in the day," but like he did that time too because he had to stop the bad guy. And I remember thinking that, reading it, going, "Batman had to be the good guy." Like you know, it doesn't matter if it's night or day. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, my little kid brain there um but uh also adult brain but whatever we're not gonna get into that um so what uh, so last question for you what what are you you know you so you're a big batman fan what are you hoping to see from the franchise going forward we're we're already confirmed two hbo Ma hbo max spinoffs excuse me uh with penguin and with the gotham police which <laughs> together has been done fairly recently right <laughs> um and i'm still a fan of that show you know i'm i feel like i'm in the minority sometimes but i still liked gotham a lot for what it was um but uh so you know and then the odds are this movie is going to be a big hit um what what are you excited to see from this movie the batman and the franchise going forward well, I, I mean, I, first of all, I'm just excited to see the movie. I'm excited to see what Matt Reeves has come up with. Uh, I think in, in more general terms, what I'd like is for um, some future iteration, and I don't know if it will be the, the Matt Reeves Pattinson version, but I'd, I'd like to see a Batman that is a middle ground between um, Joel Schumacher and Christopher Nolan. So I, I I like a Batman that is somewhat grounded while still leaving room for the fantastical. Mm -hmm. And certainly by the end of the Nolan trilogy, I remember that was distinctly what I felt where I was like, okay, 
Um, I'm, we've done this. This is great. We've, we've did it. We've done it. Now let's, let's, let's do something that leaves room for um, fantasy, you know, because I think Nolan by the end was so sort of grounded that it, if had they continued on, it would have felt too oppressive. And, and I, I have no idea what Reeves is going to do, but that's what I want. So, so if, if I'm sort of articulating a, a tonal sweet spot for me, it's, it's the animated series, the nineties mm-hmm. animated series. Oh yeah. Um, that's, that's what I would like. But again, that's speaking to my own sort of nostalgia and I should be, <laughs> I should be forthright about that, that, well, <laughs> that, that's what I'm going to be sort of, that's, that's, what's, that, that's, what's going to feel right to me, you know? I I am 100% with you on that, actually, because when Matt Reeves was announced, and then I think shortly after, I don't, Andy Serkis wasn't confirmed, because he was confirmed as Alfred when he was cast, um, but I think there were rumors that he was talking to Andy Serkis about a role in the movie, and my first thought, given his Planet of the Apes experience, I was like, oh, he's going to be either Man Bat or Clayface, and this is going to be so right. cool. I can't wait yeah. to see... Andy Serkis play one of those parts and that's not what they ended up doing and it's fine with what they're doing because it's it's still like we've been saying this whole time it's a valid interpretation of Batman but at the same time there's a part of me that goes yeah but sometimes I want that fantastical stuff I don't you know I I liked Justice League I liked Batman v Superman you know I don't I'm not one of those you know and that's like a stickler for like the Batman has to be a real person kind of a thing you know it's like well, let's, you know, who cares if he fights a giant bat or a guy made of mud, you know, like it's, that's part of it. Um, but uh, know, if any of that makes sense, I mean, I'm like a it, rambling. No, it, it, it absolutely <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think, I think Batman even, even more so than Superman really allows for a wide spectrum of interpretations and, and all of them are valid, you know? Uh, so, so I think that's cool. I think that's great. Uh, however, I I think there should be room for all of the villains that we saw in the animated series. I think I think that the the the, the level of reality in a Batman uh, franchise should allow for all of those villains to still feel like they fit in. And 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 the animated show did it the best. And to your you know to what you were saying earlier so much so that that the makers of of batman and robin wanted to emulate uh, the animated show yeah, to uh, uh to, a de- to a degree <laughs> right yeah they 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 attempted it let's just say whether it was an entirely successful attempt is obviously yeah. open to interpretation well you know i mean obviously taking the mr free stuff which was like the best stuff for the character and and a lot of that's paul dini so they just got to get paul dini to write one of these movies because like he came up with like the idea of the Mad Hatter being obsessed with Alice in Wonderland versus just being like obsessed with hats, you know? Right. <laughs> you know, it's like how scary is like a haberdashery, you know? Like it's <laughs> so let's have them be a little like off kilter there. Um, and of course, he created Harley Quinn. So yeah, um, yeah. So bottom line, hire Paul Dini, Warner Brothers. You're just you're leaving money on the table. Um, <laughs> You heard it here first. Well, probably not here first. I'm sure hundreds of people have said it. Zaggy, <laughs> um, uh, this has been a total blast. Uh, I always oh, thank love, you. I, I always love getting you on the show. You know, you're very easy to talk to, and and I love listening to your show and and your thoughts on movies. And uh, and I loved that we apparently were clicking with RoboCop too. Without even <laughs> I hadn't even heard that episode of your show where I said I'm watching RoboCop too, and movie's kind of a piece of shit <laughs> um you know just like texting you randomly and you were like you're like, you know we, we said the same thing when we did our commentary episode so um, it's, it's interesting we when we did our commentary uh generally speaking what, what ends up happening is if it's not clicking for us we end up sort of workshopping the story as we're watching Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, our our workshop session that we had while watching RoboCop two, I found very plentiful because I feel like we uh, we arrived at some interesting uh, you know uh, potential improvements. I mean, I don't I don't want to make it sound like we're all that, but you know, I think we had a good conversation about it. I I, I got to check that one out. I I got a bunch of your episodes lined up for me, uh, which I I find your your show. Uh, like I said, just nice to listen to because thank it, you. It, it's nice just listening to like just 
you know, I, I guess, you know, for lack of a better term, like like-minded people just enjoying stuff like your Ghostbusters episode where you were basically trying not to quote it the whole time. I'm like, I could totally relate to that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. So um, speaking of your show, uh, go ahead and plug uh, your show and whatever else you want to plug. No, oh, thank you. Uh, well, so the show is called the Movie Film Podcast, one word, movie film. And uh, while we're talking about Batman, I should mention that we have done commentary tracks for uh, three of the four 80s, 90s Batman films. We have uh, Batman, Batman Forever, and Batman Returns already uh, uh, have dropped, and we will be doing Batman Returns later this year. We've also done Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, and we will be dropping Dark Knight Rises this year. So we, you can expect two Batman commentary tracks from us where we watch the entire movie and talk through it and offer our commentary. Uh, well, it is commentary, but offer our you know observations or what have you. Mm-hmm. And those are always fun to do. And Brian, my partner, and I, we are both huge Batman fans. So we, we, we offer that for whatever that's worth. And I hope uh, if, if uh, anybody checks it out, I hope you'll let me know that you came, uh, you came there through, through this show. That would be, uh, you know, let me know. It, you know, I, I do recommend the show. It's, it's, you guys are funny and it's, you know, and sometimes it's just like in a weird way, uh, you know, um, you know, my friend Zach Moore, who does the uh, Always Hold on to Smallville podcast, you know, where he does all the Smallville episodes. It's like in a weird way, like I'm driving, I'm doing my commute, but I feel like I get to watch the movie even or watch the, <laughs> in his case, watch the show like in my right. head a little bit. So, so that's kind of fun. But, um, but I'll be looking forward to your Batman and Robin one and expect several name drops going, you know, my, my best friend, JJ, he, uh, he said, <laughs> well, you don't have to say all that, of course, but, <laughs> um, but, uh, but thank you again, Zachy, for being here. This, uh, this was a total blast and, uh, thank you. and yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and uh, to all of you out there, we just, we just hope you're, ha- you know, this cold winter night, we hope you have a, we hope you have a cool day tomorrow. So I, that was terrible. Arnold did it way better. I don't even know why I tried. 